Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us on our 126th episode of the podcast. We get a chance to talk to Rich Maloney. Rich Maloney is the head baseball coach at Ball State University. It's his second tour. First one starting in 1996 to 2002, and starting from <clears throat> 2013 to the present time. Formerly also as the head coach at Michigan during those two tours. Coach Maloney has over 900 wins, 16th active Division I coach to reach that 900 victory mark. He's the winningest coach in Ball State history, won five MAC championships, four-time MAC Coach of the Year, three-time Big Ten Conference Tournaments, Two Big Ten tournament champions all during his time there in Michigan. Been at four regionals, won a region in 20, 2007. 65 players were drafted 72 times. He's had six first-round draft picks. We'll get a chance to talk about a bunch of those draft picks and great players that he's had throughout his career during the talk. Um, Coach Blake is an incredible man. He's FCA's Baseball Jerry Kendall Award in 2017. He was also just recently at the ABCA convention won the Ethics and Coaching Award at the ABCA this past year in Nashville. Just an incredible conversation. Just, um, you know, got to talk to Coach Maloney at the ABCA, and we got to sit at the same table at the Hall of Fame banquet. and um, Just a lot of fun just being able to understand how he's cultivating his program, the kind of guy that he gets, and the language that he speaks is, it's true, and it's understand how his guys gravitate to it. I just love the, and he hits the ground running with all his relationships, and um, and those relationships are real, even just based off of the conversations we have and the guys that call, continue to call him and come back into the program, come back in his life. So, I just want to thank him. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, I want to thank our, our our podcast sponsor as well, Netting Pros. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all the latest products and projects. So big shout-out to those guys. Again, shout-out to Coach Rich Maloney, an absolute dude. Just an incredible guy, legend, respected all throughout the country. And, man, what a pleasure to be able to sit and enjoy some talks and baseball with him. So enjoy the conversation. Here he is, head coach at Ball State University, Rich Maloney. When you've coached as long as I have. Yeah. Uh, and it's really about the uh, players I've had the privilege of coaches, other coaches I've had the privilege of working with, and um, but the memories of the different groups that we've coached. I mean, that's the, that's the beautiful thing of having a long coaching career is – You've come across so many people uh, that have added value to your life and you've tried to add some value to theirs. And uh, just today, ironically, just for whatever reason, mm-hmm. three of my uh, former players called all in one day. Now, that doesn't happen all the time, but it just was today. Wow. 
and it was special. It was special. The number one pick in the whole draft in 2002, Brian Bullington. I hadn't talked to him probably in about four or five months. And out of the blue, he called and it was great. It's like, it's just like, it's, it's like we were back together again, saying that those bonds that you get when you coach over time and and when you win, um, you know, many of them last a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Just, and then you've, and you certainly won, man. Like just, I I think what I was so unique and I, I liked about it was your time coming back to ball state. You know what I mean? And, and though, and like that had to be a decision almost for you and saying like, were you just like home? Like, did you feel like you were just home there or like, what was, because I mean, I talking to John, like I, I've never really, uh, we never really talked about that. Like, what was it that wanted you to maybe come back home or what would you really missed? Or uh, I don't know, but the situation going back to ball state. That's a great question. And I'll tell you what is, um, Best thing I can tell you is the first seven years of my career at Ball State, Ball State gave me the opportunity to be a head coach. Mm. They gave me an opportunity to build a program that had never finished higher than fourth. Um, So great for a young coach. And they had uh, two previous seasons. They were 15 and 17 total wins. Mm. So, so out of 56, if you're 15 and 41 or 17 and 39, whatever that was, but, um, nevertheless, it was a great opportunity for a young coach to come in and really, you know, have a chance to have impact on a program. And um, I had been um, given the good fortune to be um, coached by a great college coach in Fred Decker, who is in the ABCA Hall of Fame, who's like a second dad to me, mm. uh, who also took me in the wing after my six-year minor league career, allowed me to become an assistant coach of his for four years, making no money, um, but learning from one of the greats and um, starting to see, you know, coaching is my dream. Uh, I always thought I'd just stay at Western mm-hmm. and follow him whenever he did finished. Um, but then I got this break. Uh, Pat Quinn, who was the uh, baseball coach uh, prior to me at Ball State uh, and was moving into an administrative position, which opened the door and Pat was friends with Coach Decker and uh, reached out to me not once, but twice. First time, I didn't think I was going to go to Ball State. I really had no no inclination to do it. Yeah. Second time, I said, it must be divine. Right. Because I basically said, I'm out. And then they still were interested in at least me considering uh, being in an interview process. Mm-hmm. Went on the interview process, and it was one of those special moments. Um, so anyway, make a long story short, uh, got the job flipped the program and really did, you know, we did some amazing things. Uh, had a lot of high draft picks, including Brian Bullington being the number one overall. Um, won three regular season titles in the seven years. Um, just a lot in a lot of draft picks, high draft picks. Um, then got the opportunity to go to Michigan, Michigan thing built that started had to build that program and then got, uh, Got that thing flipped over, and then we won three straight Big Ten titles. Um, for the first eight years, it was magnificent. I mean, it was just we really, we really were the best team in 2010, but didn't win the championship. And there's a sometimes that happens. We lost by a game. Mm-hmm. That would have, that would have been four Big Big Ten titles in eight years, which would have been unbelievable. Wow! But we didn't 
and we had a new AD and uh, then I had two years of really rough years where the two losing seasons in our, in our, in my career uh, sacked with injuries and the perfect storm in every way could have hit us. <laughs> I really thought we would flip it the next year. Honestly, if I was given another opportunity, the recruits that I had, here's a name of one, J- Jacob Croningworth. That's my recruit. <laughs> He's an all-star in the big leagues. I had, uh, we had so many good guys coming in. So I knew that thing was going to flip, but I just wasn't given the opportunity. With that being said, um, Duke reached out. Um, there wasn't a lot of turnover in college baseball that year. Um, Duke reached out. Um, Ohio had me in for an interview. I could have had the interview at Duke, chose not to do that. And Ball State, out of the nowhere, uh, said they were interested. Well, while I was at Michigan, there was a football game between Ball State and uh, Michigan, and 15 of my former players came and tailgated with me, Oh wow. them being at Ball State and me being at Michigan unbeknownst to any of us that I'd returned to ball state. Yeah. Um, also I came back for two off golf outings. My players asked me to come back while ball state to support them and spend time with them. So I, I did that. So I always was connected and rooting for ball state from afar. Right. And then when this opportunity came, it was one of those moments where the program had been let go. And matter of fact, they went down to 14 and 15 wins instead of 15 and 17 wins. Oh, wow. So it was the same kind of situation, but maybe even lower. And Hmm. the field was in terrible shape. And before I had left, I had this dream of building a baseball stadium at Ball State. Had the School of Architecture actually draw a picture, spent a whole semester showing a vision of my dream. Hmm. Well, I had the privilege of, playing a big role in the Michigan's new stadium, uh, raising, helping raise the money, casting the vision and all that. And then here I could come back to ball state and have that redo it, you know, and, and finish that dream. Well, my wife, she saw me, she looked at the old stadium after coming from the Michigan stadium that we were a part of building. And she goes, you're really not going to take this job. <laughs> and I said, I really think I have. <laughs> and she, she, she couldn't believe it because the stadium was just, we had just had this great stadium at Michigan that we put so much time and energy into. And to come back to Ball State and see the program slide so far, for me, all I saw was what I saw those players that I had coached with. Mm-hmm. I mean, the players that, that I had coached and um, saw the dream, uh, revisited the dream that I had. Uh, for Ball State. And I said, well, this is an opportunity to revamp the program, get it back to where it belongs, and hopefully try to build a stadium in the in the process. And so the rest was – it was funny. The first time we had a 17-game turnaround the first year, the second time we had a 17-game turnaround. What's oh, the chance of that? Yeah, Isn't that ironic? I mean, think of that, though. Yeah. Just so I was, I was a blessed man without question, and I – um, and the, and the thing was the program was ready to be, it needed, just needed some energy and some love and, and, and to reunite the boys. You got to remember those boys for those seven years, I'd have never had the chance to go to Michigan if it wasn't for those boys. What they did in those seven years was amazing. We all bought into a dream together and we, we won a lot of games, man. And we had a lot of fun together. And to this day, some of those players are some of my very best friends. 
Um, so to come back home, as you would say, um, you know, really wasn't, it, it, it wasn't hard. It, when the reason why coming back home was because of the friendships that I had made with my players and in the community and just, we had a good thing going at a church too, that when we left, we, you know, we had a lot of good friends. Mm-hmm. All that played a role. Sure. Um, it all played a role is being able to have, you had a tough time. You come back to a place where you, you had a great experience. You had a church family, you had um, a lot of friends, um, but it wasn't easy. I'll tell you that. I mean, we were at the top of the food chain mm-hmm. and we won a lot of games. Me And then that was kind of um, taken from us. Um and that's just how it works sometimes. But then to have the rejuvenation of being able to come back to Ball State was a blessing. Yeah. And we've just gone from there and rebuilt it. And now we're uh, just trying to be good stewards of it and uh, trying to finish the stadium. We, we got a stadium built, but there's still more to come. We got more work to do. And I'm hoping to, I'm hoping before my time's up that I can finish that for the good of the program and the future of the program. And for those boys, like you're saying. Like, when you talk about building like relationships and you having these like they're your best friends like these players like what uh, how 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 do you mold how are you molding those relationships like, how intentional are you doing those things like as you're building the relationships is it like a daily communication or is it like the things that you're doing are you doing the stuff in the in the community is that how you're building these relationships with players I think it's all the above I think I think when you're a coach I got into coaching because I'm I wanted to be a mentor. Mm. Obviously, I love the competition. Yeah. I, I love the competition. I love the great game of baseball without question. But this was a vehicle to add value to as many as that I possibly could. That's where I find great joy is when you get a call from Brian Bullington today. Mm-hmm. And you hear Brian talk about his daughter, uh, Isabella, and, and she's being recruited by all these volleyball schools. And she's about to make a decision once they June 15th comes around or whatever then she gets to make her, you know, then it gets real. Right. But just to hear him talk about the pride he has in his daughter in Lauren, his wife had played volleyball at ball state and that's where they met. Um, so ball state meant a lot to those two and, um, change your lives. Uh, and, and with that being said, so now to see Brian and Lauren have their family and to hear Brian talk so proudly as a parent of Isabella and then his two twin sons, uh, Matt and Jack and 13 year olds and playing baseball and them talking I, me and Brian reminisced about a time when he was in, uh, he was in Detroit playing for the Kansas city Royals. And he called me up and asked if I'd meet him for breakfast. And so I was in Ann Arbor, the Michigan coach at the time. Mm-hmm. And I ran over and we had breakfast together. And we talked about Brian's future because he knew he was getting close to the end of the major league career. Um, we just talked about what he might do moving on. Uh, now he's uh, uh, he played five years in the big leagues in Japan after his major league career. And then he ended up being a major league baseball scout uh, internationally, but get not one that's gone all the time. He's kind of got a little flexible schedule Okay, and he's able to be with his kids. So right. anyway, like those are the, what I'm talking about. And I could go on and on and on. Another guy called me today, Jeremy Ridley. Uh, yesterday it was Chad Wells. Um, another guy reached out, uh, Nick Floyd from another era. Um, 
Justin Wexler is a scout in the area that we talk regularly, Scott French, Keith Nunley. I mean, I can go on and on and on. <laughs> and so those guys energize me because they've added so much value to my life. Um, and in some small way, I hope I've added value to theirs. I'm sure. So I just, I just, I would just love to get like a, uh, an idea, like, like kind of like inside the program of ball state and like what you do to try and really continue to build. Cause everybody talks about like the relationships and like, what do you feel has been like a key concept or a way that you're able to connect and continue to connect? Like, you know, this is what your 28 is your 27, 28th year. And, and to continue to connect at all, like at different eras, like you said, he was a different era guy. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a great question, Trey. Um, it all started for me with this uh, motto, a motto, and it's called "You Got to Believe." You got to believe has a lot of connotation to it. Uh, one is um, you got to believe in yourself if you're going to be a good player. You got to believe in your teammates if you want to be a part of a good team. Um, and for me, my it's my faith. So at the end, everything starts with my faith. But if you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in your teammates. And for me personally, if I didn't have my faith, I certainly wouldn't have had the career that I've had. No doubt about it. But it all starts with you got to believe. Because I don't believe I don't believe you can win if you don't truly believe in yourself and your teammates. I don't think you can be successful. I, don't, I, I honestly don't. I think you got to have a driving belief that you can do something special. And one of the things that I've tried to teach these kids, and, and some of them would tell you, and that's one of the – one of the greatest gifts a kid can give a coach is that a co- when, he re- when he says that a coach got me to believe in something bigger than I believed in myself. So in other words, I believed in, in their vision. I had a vision for them that might have even been greater than their. They couldn't see that vision for themselves. Mm-hmm. And some of them became first-round draft picks and millionaires. Wow. And honestly, they did not see it. They did not see it. Um, but once they, once we cast that vision, once we saw it, I remember, I remember now Brian Bollington was a really good player, but I remember sitting with him his freshman year out of nowhere, he starts throwing 95 miles an hour, the mm. last game. So he was never throwing 95 miles an hour. Then all of a sudden we're in the mid American conference tournament. He actually lost the game five to two his freshman year. I'll never forget it. And he was 94, 95. And at that time that was at the pinnacle of uh, baseball. It wasn't a hundred like it is today. Yeah, that was kind of like the elite of the elite. There might have been one or two guys throwing a little harder, but in general, that was the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And Brian was six five; he was about one hundred and ninety pounds. I knew he could gain some more weight. I just figured. I told him, I said, Brian, I want to tell you something. I, I actually think you have a chance to be. This is gospel truth. I actually think you have a chance to be the number one pick in the whole draft your junior year. <laughs> I swear to you, I told him that. <laughs> And I said, I think you should set your goal. I, I, you know, to be number one, a lot of factors have to happen. Sure. Team has to like you. There's a number of great players, uh, but you got something special, dude. Man. Mm. <laughs> and lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, he becomes the number one pick in the whole draft. And it was all him, but it was just curious. Um, but casting a vision for your players and, and seeing that when as you see their talent grow, watching them grow as young men into men. Uh, watching them go through struggles and then work their way through it is is uh, is great joy. But it, a coach's job is to try their best 
to get the most out of whatever the gifts that person's been given. And some of them, their role will be limited and some of them, their role will be bigger. Um, but all of them play a role in the success of the team. Now, another thing to add to that now on my second tenure, I have every boy read two books before they get here. Mm. They have to read two books. The first one's called The Hard Hat by John Gordon. The Hard Hat's about being a great teammate. Being a great teammate. Because for me, it's all about the team. It, it's no matter. And, and what was so great is like, I just bring up Brian Bullington because I have so many Bullington stories. But I, I can go with a number of players. But his are pretty great in the sense that Brian pitched in the, one of the games uh, his last year in the Mid-American Conference. He probably had his worst start ever in his career. We lost 13 to three to Kent. Mm. Two days later, our team had gone through the loser's bracket, won three games in a row. We're running out of pitching. And Brian says to me, he says, coach, he goes, I, I, I need to pitch. Team needs, I said, Brian, you threw 80 pitches on, you know, a few days ago. You're going to, you're going to be one of the first players picked. I don't know which one, but you're worth a couple million dollars. I said, I can't risk your arm. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And then he said, coach, I really need to pitch. That can't be the, my last game at ball state. I get teared up just even thinking about it. His mom and dad, who are great parents and great supporters of our program and great supporters of me, they actually talked to me and they said, Hey coach, if Brian wants to pitch and if you think he can help the team and if something happened to him, if he got hurt, it's on us. What kind of parents do that? Think about that. Right. Unselfish is what it is. Right. We're in a society where, where it's all about grab what you can for yourself. Whereas I've always taught about the team. Right. And within that concept, I've had so many guys that individually have won so many incredible awards and mm -hmm. the high draft picks and all this other stuff, but it was all based on the team. Well, this hard hat book really hits that. And so Brian pitched two, and I told Brian, I said, I can't pitch you in good conscience. But I'll tell you what, son, if at some point in the game you feel like you really want to go in and this is what you want to do, you raise your head, go down to the bullpen, raise your head, tell me, I'll put you in. I put him in about the third or fourth inning. He went the rest of the game, struck out nine on two days rest. Oh, who does that, man? But who <laughs> does what was so important about it? It wasn't even the performance. It's the fact that he was willing to do Had it. the guts, right? Yeah, and he wasn't worried about getting hurt. He was only working about, man, I let my team down on Friday, and I need to come back, or, you know, the first day. He felt bad about that, and he wanted first teammates. He wanted to help, you know, play his role, which was significant. I mean, he was the best player in the country. But he didn't have to do that. No. You know what I mean? But that's the attitude. So the hard hit's about that. And the other one is chop wood, carry water. Uh, and it's about a process because a kid. when we get kids, we get a lot of late bloomers. So obviously if they were um, tearing it up and they, everybody was recruiting them, they probably pick a power five, right? Mm -hmm. So we've made our living on getting that kid who is just a little bit maybe under the radar, but has an upside. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been fortunate to pick many of the right kids and get them to come into our program and, and develop and get stronger. And then all of a sudden throw harder or run faster and hit it farther um, but the process, the chop wood, carry waters, you got to chop a lot of wood and carry a lot of water before you get to be a great player. And those are two, just, they have to, matter of fact, it's funny. I'm getting ready to send them out to the incoming recruits that have signed with us. 
because they're, they'll have to read it. And the first day that they get on campus, once we get a hold of them, they have to go, we go through the books and they have to have it highlight. It's no messing around, man. This is our core. This is our culture. This is who we are. And so I'm fortunate that I was able to find two books that really kind of epitomize uh, us at Ball State. Love that. Just and I'm just, so you're saying that as you go through it, you know, because I mean, you don't read, and you hear again, I hear hear a lot of that going through books and things like that. So like your process of going through the book and getting guys to know that they are that they at least heard this and they have spent time with the books. You're just going through each chapter. Is it like is it when you first get with them? Are you going over all the books at once, or you is this something you're doing throughout the fall? No, with all the newcomers. So all yeah. the other guys have already been through this, right? So all the newcomers, because they'll always hear the lingo. You'll hear us say chop wood, carry water. You'll hear us say, uh, you know, be a great teammate. Mm-hmm. Time and time again. Um, this is part of our core. Uh, but those first days, we go through it, and they got to highlight it. I'm calling every one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, they got to know it, and they got it highlighted, and they got to understand it. We have a great discussion. It's one of my funnest days of the year, honestly, because – First of all, they had to make a commitment to read the books. Yes. They're going to be called upon. I value it so much. It's such a core value of our of who we are that, you know, and if you can't do that, then you need to not be in the program. Mm-hmm. So if you can't be a great teammate and you don't understand the process, that's too much for you, then this is probably not the right place. It wouldn't be the right fit. So, because that standard we have is really high in how we do our business. And, um, you know, you're expected to perform at a high level, but you're going to do a lot of things to perform at a high level. You got to do a lot of little things really, really well that add up to some big accomplishments. And so our job is to train them in all those things. And if they do them, many of them with their skill set will do some pretty good things. Now, are you talking about in terms of like the values of what you're talking about inside the program? Is that what you're saying? Like based off of like, you know, probably timeliness or, you know, the different things you're doing within your program. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like hard work. Um, we get up early in the mornings. Um, we've done it ever since I started, uh, for at least six to eight weeks of the year. We're up at, they got to be there by five in the morning, Hmm. start promptly at five and we hit the weights hard and conditioning. Now we've incorporated, I think it got a lot better as a coach in a lot of ways, uh, which you hope, you hope keep, you keep growing. You just learn a little bit more. You pick up some things from other people and you add them to your program. Um, but like we have competitions at the end of, we have teams, we have a draft, we have competitions at the end of each uh, strength training or speed training program. And there's winners and there's losers. And then we add up the points and at the end of the, couple months that we do this about three months of work well actually it goes on longer your your academics count your strength training counts your the competition events we have they all count your community service counts you add them all up and there's a winning team the winning team gets filet mignon and the losers all get hot dogs and macaroni cheese and then we're all one then we all become one and that's just how we do it then we all celebrate with dessert after we all get the same dessert so it's just a you learn over time different things from different people. Um, the competitions came from my uh, friend at Louisville, Danny McDonald. 
he told me one day, he just says, Hey man, I tried this thing. I said, you might want to adapt something like this for your program. Gave me the idea. And then I created my own kind of, he gave me something to kind of play with in my mind. And then I created one. It's been a hit in our program for the last couple of years. So you always want to keep, you want to keep moving. And do you have like a certain, like a, I guess it's called a certain thing or it's just like, it's just your, you know, I could think some of it call like the Omaha challenges of that, but it sounds mm-hmm. like it's, it's over like months for you. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's a like while. Months. So you guys, be yeah, done probably- I don't really have, I don't really have a name for it. Probably should though. You might've just gave me an idea. Maybe I will make that. Uh, yeah, something show. within your program, you know, like yeah. I remember talking to Lane, like his thing's a big thing about being a bulldog, being a bulldog guy. You know, like just uh, this things like that, but it's all because that's part of his language. Like you said, it's part of his language. Yeah. So it's like, you know, whatever's kind of like when you talked about your values, like do you is process like do you like define those things? You're so like, you know, being a good teammate is that those things are core values of your program. Core value and hard work and 211 degrees water is hot at 212 degrees water a boil. That extra degree makes all the difference. I mean, you can move a locomotive if you put enough uh water to create enough steam but you got to have that extra degree so you're trying to find as many guys as you can that have that extra degree um another one like our word is grit mm. we're that's grit right. and the other and that comes from it actually comes from something that started a long time ago for me i call it dirt bag if you're a dirt bag that's like the biggest compliment you can get in our program a dirt bag is the guy who just will do anything and everything he can to help the team win that means being a great teammate. A dirtbag's a guy who's going to not only just get dirty in the game, diving, whatever. A guy will be a dirtbag, somebody who's enthusiastic to the rest of the teammates. Uh, a dirtbag is the guy who gets positive emotion off the mound, not negative emotion. Uh, you know, a, a dirtbag makes everybody else better. So for us, dirtbag, and, and to me, now we've come off of that, meaning we dirtbag's the epitome, but grit is what helps become a dirtbag yes it's the grit that you have to have to play this tough game this game is a tough game i mean you know like football and i love football i love football football is a physical game mm-hmm. okay baseball is really really tough on the mind yes it is it's the mind game it's the it's the game you have to conquer the mind because the mind will play either for you or against you if you let it so you got to be able to control your mind because there's so much failure in this game. Mm. And that's where the grit has to come in, man. When you're struggling, you got to stay on the process and you got to be gritty and just believe in your sin. That's where the power of belief comes because you could, if you don't have enough belief in yourself, now you wither when the storm hits and the storm will hit. I don't care if you're the greatest player or you're not. Verlander gives up runs. Scherzer gives up runs. Derek Jeter went over 32 in his last season. Anybody who's been any good in baseball has had a long drought for a period of time. Uh, and that can really wear on you mentally, which really can take you in a bigger tailspin. Or you can be like, uh, I think it was Tino Martinez. One time I heard this story. Don't know how accurate it was. It was given to me. So I'm, I'm just relaying what I had heard. Um, but I had heard he was playing in the World Series and he was in a, a pretty bad slump. I don't know if it was 0 for 20 or 21 or whatever. Or, or just uh, oh, for, for a while. Yeah. And being at the World Series, there's a whole lot of cameras around and stuff. And I was told that um, one of the reporters asked him, man, you're, you're really loose. You're really loose, you know, and considering you're in a, a slump. And he goes, 
He goes, man, I'm a lifetime 300 hitter. I've been through a lot of battles. That just means now that I'm in this little funk, it means my hits are just around the corner. That's right. Now think of that for a minute. They're coming. But that, yeah, that's a guy who's seasoned and in, in, in understands how good he is and how he understands that his process works because it's worked over time. And he's just working the process. He's staying the course. But the game is so hard to get to that point. Most don't survive it. They can't, they can't handle the lack of success. Or the lack of success drives them out of the game because they're just not good enough. Or the mental strain of it doesn't allow them to reach their their full. And then there's other guys who just are like this. And they just learn how to manage that stress, manage that failure, and then eventually climb higher. Mm. Um, that's why the game's so hard, and that's why only so few can play it. Um, and I admire the people who work their way through that adversity, that mental strain, and then come out of it. I mean, to me, that's the, that's like the greatest. I'll give you one case in point from a coaching standpoint on somebody I know that actually worked for me that did just that. And his name's Jake Boss. He's the head coach at Michigan State. And he was with me a couple of years at Michigan, two of my, uh, two of our championships. Um, and then Eastern Michigan, where he was an assistant before I brought him to Michigan, um, he became the head coach there. Uh, in like November, they started the season. This is no joke. Owen 17. Hey. And he was beside himself. He calls me up and he was like, Oh my gosh, coach. I don't, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I said, here's the deal, Jake, you got two great opportunities in front of you. Here's one of them. One of them is you got to do everything you can to get the boys one win. I don't care if you use two of your best pitchers in one game, maybe use three, get the win, get that monkey off your back, call the day. Get the dub. Okay. Two is you're getting ready to start the Mid-American Conference season. And it's a fresh start. And they get to be zero and zero. Right. We'll rip up the 0 and 17, throw it in the basket and say, hey, that was our practice. That was spring training. Lucky it was spring training, guys. Here we go. <laughs> Lo and behold, check this out. He won the Mid-American Conference tournament and was in the regional at Michigan in 2008. One of the greatest coaching jobs I've ever heard of. But again, it's that how are you going to handle that mental strain? How are you going to handle that adversity when you're in that funk? Uh, because the game is really hard and sometimes very cruel. But it's the greatest game on the planet, man. I mean, the greatest game. I mean, it's I, I love this game, period. And so much of that, you know, just that and what, the correlation between like, you know, when life hits you, you know, and I'm sure you have a of stories of even off the field or your players are like, then when those big things happen and they still get through it. Well, that's the greatest thing about being a coach is that you use those examples that pertain to life. Mm. No doubt about it. Cause the grind of life, you're going to get kicked in the teeth. Just like you'd go in a 0 for 20 slump. You're going to get kicked in the teeth in life. You're going to get you know, you might get fired from a job. You might, uh, you know, someone that you know, all of us are going to have this where someone that you love is uh, something bad happens. They get sick or they die or, or, or something. Or uh, in what kind of attitude are you going to have? You know, how are you going to handle that adversity? I think sport gives us a great opportunity to help people grow, to be able to handle the different situations in life that will come upon each of us at different times. Um, because the games are grueling 
And there's always situations where you, you it takes perseverance. It takes discipline to be really good. It takes uh, positivity. It takes enthusiasm. It takes passion. It takes hard work. Um, it takes uh, having your brother help you. Um, it takes a lot to have have a great season individually and as a team. And all these things can, are learned and through daily daily things that happen to us. <laughs> mm. It's great teachable moments throughout the whole year. Um, and I think that's one of the th great things I like about coaching is that um, you really have a chance to share and hopefully add value to the, to some of the people that you're working with. Yeah. And I, just your, your, your conversations with, like you said, the players calling back, it seems like that has certainly been the case. You know, I don't see how they're going to call if that, if that wasn't the case. I'm sure it wasn't just baseball. Oh, no. I mean, over the years, man, I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of the great blessings. No, no question about it. Mm -hmm. And if that, if that wasn't happened, then that would be really, um, be a shallow existence. If you spend as much as time as, um, that we do devoting to the, to the game, to, you know, that as a coach, um, cause you know, you miss family time. You, we include our family in it. I mean, my wife goes to most everything, but you know, when the kids were growing up, I had to miss a lot of their games. I saw a ton, but I had to miss a ton. Whereas the other parent who has the regular job sees the games every time I didn't get to, I got to hear about them, but I didn't get to see them all the time. Mm -hmm. I always had my family travel with me whenever they could. But then once the kids got of age, they got their own things to do. And so my wife had to be, uh, valiant in being able to manage their schedules and get them where they needed to go to grow. Um, but it's those, so you give up a lot when you coach, but you're blessed a lot. If you have the relationships, I mean, they're, well, Dre Jamison, one of my big leaguers now he's in the minors right now, just for a period of time, he'll be, he'll bounce back up here soon. Dre and I, we just talked the other day. He got sent down. Dude's got electric stuff. He has a chance to be a superstar. Yeah. He's got moxie. He's got he's got everything that you want. Uh, happens to be an undersized guy that everybody said couldn't do it. Guy throws 100 miles an hour. Amazing. Amazing fast arm. Uh, but even more amazing, the, the belief in himself, the uh, fighting a dog, as one would say, the competitive fire. It's got it all, but we were just talking because you know you had a bump in the road right now. Yeah. Hey, and you got to talk. This is a great time to talk. I said it's easy to talk when it's going good. Your friends are the ones that come alongside you when it's not going good. Because everybody wants you when you're going great. Man, I'm a big leaguer. I'm a star. I just beat the Dodgers or whatever. No, man, it's when you're in the trenches, man. Who's with you when you're in the trenches? I always want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I want to be that guy that. If they need me for something, they know they're going to get encouraged. Um, so we talked about it. It was great. It was great. Alex Call, he's he's leading off tonight, matter of fact. He's playing right now. Um, one of the all-time greats that I've ever had the privilege of coaching. And um, he went through a three-for-52 slump in early in his career in the minors. Hmm. Three-for-52. That's not an exaggeration. That's truth. Uh, think of that for a minute. Now he's a leadoff hitter in the big leagues. So he had to work his way through that struggle. He had to 
he had to go through the process. Right. And uh, he had to have enough confidence in himself. And then he had people around him. I'm just one of them. He had a supportive family and all of us rooting for him and uh, helping him through as he went through his struggles. And to his hard work, to his discipline, to his credit, he had his dream and he really believed he could make it. And by golly, he did it. So it's hmm. special. But I mean, that's that's what that's what it's about. And you know what? It, you know what's even what, what I'll tell you. One of the moments that was really special for me in my coaching career, it was um, I was coaching at Michigan, and right when I got the job, they asked me to be a part of a fundraiser for Mott's Children Hospital. And so I was golfing. I'm not a very good golfer, but I was golfing with you know some people that were um, financially going to help the cause. And I happened to be with a doctor, Dr. Oye, and uh, 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 first time we ever met. And I was fascinated because he's a pediatric heart surgeon. Oh, my. He he performs a surgery that only five people at the time in the, at least that's what I was told, in the whole world could do. Oh, my gosh. Here I was golfing with this legend. So he's a rock star in his profession. Right. Just we wouldn't you wouldn't know it unless you had a child who had this thing. And this dude was it's kind of like if you come to Dr. Oye, either this procedure is going to change that person's life forever in a good way or they might lose them. Right. So, I mean, think of that. We're playing a game of baseball. and This dude's saving lives, man. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, Dr. Oye says I I was always fascinated with medicine. I I, if I could have been a doctor, that would have been a great thing. I probably wasn't smart enough. (laughs) <laughs> but I was fascinated with it and I read some books on it. I mean, I, I, you know, I was, it was interesting to me. Well, interestingly, so I told him that, Hey man, I was always interested in medicine. He goes, why don't you come over sometime and watch one of my heart surgeries? Wow. I said, you kidding me? Well, I waited two years. The irony of the whole thing is I had a boy that was wanting to be a doctor. So I called Dr. Oye up about two years after. And I said, Hey, is there any chance that, you know, would you still be willing for me to watch the surgery? He goes, oh, yeah, coach, would love to have you. Mm. And I said, any chance I could bring my captain with me? He wants to be a surgeon. And he says, absolutely. So me and my – now, I thought it was going to be like uh, Grey's Anatomy where you're looking over like from afar away. Right, but, right. Oh, no, man, I was right. Me and me and Kyle were right on top of the – we're watching this amazing doctor – do this incredible procedure to save this, this infant's life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, amazing, amazing. So what a teachable moment, what a moment to share with one of your players. And by the way, my player is an orthopedic surgeon. Oh, wow. No. Cool. So, I mean, and that play, uh, you know, just to have an opportunity to share that moment with somebody that you had great respect for in somebody, you know, one from the doctor to be able to allow us what a, what a human being. Uh, to let us into his world, mm-hmm. be up close like that. Four and a half hour surgery too, mind you. Um, it, and you're just standing there and you're watching. I mean, it is amazing. But then to have your player go through the grind of studies and then residency and then realize, and then have my wife have a um, knee situation where I said, we're going to call Kyle up. We're going to get a second opinion. (laughs) Kyle talks to Mrs. M and he tells her, uh, you know, Hey, these are your options. And my team thought this would be the best. 
So instead of doing a full knee replacement, she did a partial and, uh, but it was Kyle and it was so great. How great is that? You have somebody that's, you know, you loved and cared about you spent a couple years of your life with, and now they're succeeding and having their own family. Uh, you know, I mean, come on, it's great. It's great. And there's so many of them that over the years have done amazing things. You're just so proud. And you run into them at different places. Like they'll stop over to watch the team. Uh, Well, the one boy, Jeremy uh, Ridley, he called today and he said, Hey coach, I just was calling just to say hello. I haven't talked to you in a few months. And then he said, uh, uh, I'm planning on bringing my boys. They're about, uh, they're 10th graders. He said, I plan on bringing my boys over to the game in a couple of weeks. How cool nice. is that? They drive over from Cincinnati a couple hours just to see the team because those memories that he had, they value, he values them dearly, you know. And and he's still got his old coach there, which is kind of cool. Yeah. If you really think about it, how many guys get to be at a place like I've been. This is, I think, my 18th year maybe at Ball State. Um, but so those guys who were with me the first time. And now they're still kind of with me in the second time. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just how 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 is it like trying to keep the consistency of the pro the program and at the same time though, like you said, adapting and trying to learn and get better? Yeah, well, winning's hard. See, people I realize how hard winning is. I mean, winning is hard. Because everybody wants to win. Nobody wants to lose. And you got everybody gunning for you. When you've had some success for a long period of time, everybody guns for you. Yeah, everybody everybody wants to knock you down. And um, that's why it comes down to those foundational truths that you have. I mean, and you got to constantly do the little things well, the details. To me, it's all the details. I think one of the reasons why we've been able to be somewhat consistency consistent over the, all these years is because the system works. If you believe in yourself and you believe in your teammates, if you, if you buy into your coaches, if you um, do all the little things that we're talking to you about and you buy into that. So you take it seriously about, a bunt defensive play or hitting behind the runner or throwing through the cutoff or um, working on a pickoff move. And then it actually works in a game and it gets you out of a jam um, or working on a pitch out and you pick behind the runner um, or, um, you know, just the discipline of hitting the ball gap to gap. I mean, all these things, but doing them right day in and day out, working on a squeeze play, working on a safety squeeze, um, all these little things add up We're learning how to, when you're turning a double play, are you turning it properly? If you're not holding them accountable, say, even though you got the guy out, you know what, as the game speeds up, that ain't going to work. And you are just constantly holding them accountable. And if you're holding them accountable, then your standards high. If your standards are high, guys are going to gravitate to the standard. If the standard is low, or lower, they're going to gravitate to that. I always felt like you set the bar really high. And if you fall a little short, you're still better than most. And that's really what's happened in my career. It really is. The bar's always been set way, way up here. And we've never really reached way, way up here yet. We've done really amazing things, but we haven't been 
way up there. But that being said, we've been pretty far up there. And we've been doing it year in and year out for a number of years. And that's one of, probably one of the most things I'm proud of is the fact of the level of consistency. Because, you know, in a year you have different injuries. Like this team that I have right now, if we could have stayed healthy all year long, we have a nice record right now, but we would have had a lot better record. Because mm-hmm. we had we had some horses in the stall. And then we lost a few of the horses. And um, to the rest of the group's credit, gritty bunch, man. They fought and clawed and and they find themselves a game back. And uh, we've had some key players miss a significant amount of time, but yet we're still in the hunt. Um, long way to go. We're surely not there, but I'm proud of them for the fact that they believe, man. They be- they believe in themselves, and when you believe in yourself, you can actually you can you can you can make it through some of the tough tough times because you have enough guys believing. And if you win enough in your program, sometimes you win some games you're not supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't play as well, but you won just because the guys are used to winning. Because winning breeds winning and losing breeds losing. It really does. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. And there's but it's hard to win. It's really hard to win. Um, people just take they expect that you're just supposed to win all the time. Yeah. OK, tell that to the guy. Tell that to the guy who just lost his job. Um, and busted his tail and for whatever reason couldn't get it going. Mm-hmm. All that to the guy who's had, you know, some really good success and then uh, hits a rough patch and for whatever reason has trouble getting out of that mess. But yet we all know he's a really good coach. Or tell that the guy who is had a program that's very underfunded and yet maybe hovers around 500 has a little bit, but really is doing some amazing things. If you really understood the industry, right. <clears throat> but nobody cares because all they look at is what's in the win and loss column. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> it's hard to, it's hard to win consistent consistently over a long period of time. Um, so it's, it's a challenge and it's, it's one of the most challenging things, but also one of the most, Fun thing is building a team, getting guys to believe in each other and building a team and then losing guys and then building them again and trying to, that's something to be real proud of is the fact that, you know, we've had a lot of guys drafted and yet we've been able to be pretty good the next year. Like I'll say last year's team was pretty amazing. One of the most amazing teams I've had the privilege of coaching because the year before, Actually, the two years before we won 38 games in 2019, we were 20 and five in the league. If you go and you look at the champions in every league and you see if they have a 20 and five record, if they win their league, I'll bet you there isn't one team or maybe there'll be one team that had a record like that and didn't win their league. Yeah, we were that we were that one and we didn't play two games because of rain out or snow out. And so the other team beat us by basically a half game. Okay. And then the next year we won 38 games again. We beat Arizona twice on the road and they go to Omaha. We beat Kentucky twice on the road, two out of three. Then we go to Old Dominion, who ends up being, I think, a number one seed. And we play a great series. We didn't win any of the three games, but we played a great series. And we really should have won game three. Um, They were very fortunate. We out hit them and they, they really had no business winning it, but they did. Good for them. 
Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, we had a great team, and we lost that year by two games, and we lost a boatload of players. And then last year, we win on the regular end of the regular. We win the regular season championship. We go thirty-two and seven, mm. and it took to the last game of the year to win the league. Mm. The other team was thirty and seven. <laughs> Think of that for a minute. Wow. So every game was a grind. Every game. Every game. But we had lost so many guys the year before, you would have thought, you know, a lot of the guys would have said, nah, that, that we had, they had their chance and they kind of missed the opportunity. They were great, but they weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And then, then we, then we, the guys rise up and they just shine like no other. <laughs> you know, uh, and then this year, you know, we lost going into this year, we lost our first baseman and all our outfield. And all of those guys had big numbers. And this year we're actually scoring, I think, I'd have to check again, but we're scoring equal number of runs or more this year than we did last year after losing all those guys for whatever whatever reason. And that's, for me, I'm proud of that because that's hard to do. I'm proud of the guys for rising up. So a guy has a, average year the year before and then all of a sudden he becomes a star so he stayed on the process could have and this happens our program number of times last year zach cole he ended up being a 10th round pick i thought when i recruited him he'd be a first rounder true story Mm. all the skill set was there but his first year he he hits not very good then he has suffers kind of an injury doesn't get to play much in the fall doesn't play at all in the fall when he comes back another guy did won the job and he never really got a chance. He, he batted 12 times, struck out nine. He could have left. He could have walked. How many guys would have stayed? Think of that. Nowadays. Yep. They're yeah, right now. now. They, they, just, they just go. But he knew that he wasn't consistent enough. Then he knew this program that, you know, the best players play. Mm-hmm. And even though he was a great talent and we knew he had probably – maybe the most gifted talent of all, but the reality is he wasn't, he wasn't consistent enough, even in his practices, swing and miss, but to his credit, he stayed. And guess what? He made an adjustment. He bought into the adjustment and the dude in the last five or six weeks of the season, he put the team on his back like no other. And he was a one man record as good a player as we had. This dude carried this team at a level that I hadn't seen. And I'm telling you, and he gets picked in the tenth round. Had he had a good sophomore year, the dude's a first round. He's five two. I'll bet you. I I personally believe he's going to play in the big leagues, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually a like a real player, like a star. Yeah, yeah. Because he has the skill set, and it just started to click for him. Mm-hmm. And he's already hit a couple bombs, hit some big games in uh, in the A ball. You know, he's just starting out. But he was a tenth round pick. But here he didn't play for two years. Really play, stayed the course. And then he becomes a rock star. Chop wood, you know, carry water. That's that's what he did. And you got to give the dude a lot of credit because a lot of guys would have walked, man, and he didn't. And people were telling him there were people, some people saying you should you should go somewhere else. You know what? I bet you'd tell you right now he's really happy he stayed. <laughs> that just speaks to man. That speaks to it's yeah. I, I coach. I guess just speaking through all that, something just kept coming back to mind is like. It, that grittiness, like what you're saying, and then the, a guy just like that, and you and you and you mentioned multiple of those guys. Is that 
Has that been cultivated in your program, or are you able to find that and say, like, that guy has this, what we're looking for? Um, I think we've cultivated it, and I think we've um, – I think two things. I think we've uh, – I think we – we cultivate it naturally in our program by how we do our business. I think it's all part of our culture. I think people have seen that so many of our guys have gotten so much better. And I think part of it is identifying a skill set that is capable of getting better. Sure. And I think the components of what we teach in our strength training and all that kind of stuff all flow together to um, try to bring out the best in these kids. Um, but a lot of it is recruiting a kid who has ambition and drive because, you know, you could, you can put stuff in front of people, but if they're not self-motivated, then they're not going to realize their full potential. You know what I mean? So, you know, finding the right guys who have that motivation, who believe in themselves, who uh, aspire to do great things, who believe in the coaches, who who will buy, have buy-in, I think all add to the success of the the individual and the end of end of our team. All right. Um, I know you got to get going here at nine 30 as this one last thing is like at 27 years. Is there something that you know now that you wish you would have known as you got started, as you've gotten to this point now, just fat wrapping things up as an overall thing. Yeah. I would just say, I think there's a lot of things um, <laughs> beyond the things that you've already like, given like we've already talked about that was just awesome. yeah i just i just think when you're a young coach you know you're naive you play on your energy yeah you just play on your energy i mean i was fresh out of uh pro ball uh went to college so of course you're going to be a rock star to those kids because man you 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 did what they you know i didn't make the big leagues but i played six years and they wanted to play in the minor league so you're instant attraction to them so it's your energy it's your positivity it's your uh, it's the grit, you know, being gritty. I think the way mom and dad raised me, I mean, I was doing a paper out in eighth grade, 5 a.m. in the morning. So why do I have 5 a.m. lifts? Man, I got up at 5 a.m. and I went, I played three sports. Mm-hmm. My parent, my dad was a machinist. My mom was stay at home mom. We didn't have a lot of money. We had a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Um, we cared about each other. We were family was everything. And we did things the right way. And my dad and mom had a high standard of ethics. And you were expected to work. And you're expected to do well in school and you're expected if you, you went to play a sport or whatever, you're expected to be a great teammate. They taught me all those things. And then my other coaches who came along the way um, breathed into me and did the same thing. And therefore uh, I wanted to be like them. Um, So I had a lot of good role models, but some of the things that I, you know, young in my career, I just played off my passion and my energy. I didn't, I had some knowledge of course, but, I would just sell and I would sell to the recruits, man. I'm just, I'm going to give you everything that I got and you're going to be part of something special because we're going to do something special here. And fortunately for me, those kids bought that hook, line and sinker. And now it was funny because when I was talking to Bullington today and Ridley, I said, you know, it's funny. Coach reflects on the career and stuff. This is your program, man. You guys built it. Yeah. You guys built this program because you believed, man, you believed this pipe dream this coach had and you bought into it and you guys made that dream happen and you're still making it happen because you guys are the tradition. You're the backbone of our program. And um, 
I love that, that they care about it so much. I love that. And I said, Hey, I don't know how much time I got left. You know, I feel great. As long as I'm adding value to people, I want to be a, you know, be able to do this. But my biggest thing is I want to leave the program in great stead so that they can accomplish more than, than we've been able to accomplish. And that's the love that we have for the program. And so for me, it's not me. It's, it's all those people that have been along the way that we've all done this together and it's our program. And I tell the kids it's their program and I just get to be the chance to be the steward of it. And then I'm going to pass the baton sometime. I don't know when I'm not looking forward to, I'm just staying in the moment, but when the baton's passed on, I want to make sure that it's left in great stead. It means a lot. It means a lot to me, but it means a lot to the players that I've had the privilege of coaching. And that's when you have a great tradition. When you have that, you have a great tradition and that's where we're at. We got a great tradition now. We got a high standard and it's hard to, it's hard to upkeep because these guys have done so many amazing things. love the talk we we hit the ground running from the start um and you know right from his get-go of talk to base about relationships love the just love this calls about his players calling him just calling him and touching base um i kept on just seeing like the the inspiration the, you know just seeing the picture of of someone that you're trying to build a vision or what you're trying to envision by the a long career in coaching, and you know, it, of all the different things as he was going to talk, and um, simplest forms of you know, at the end of the day, you've got to believe in yourself. You got to be the driving force of believing in something special. Got to believe in yourself if you're going to be a good player. At first, in your teammates, you want to be part of a great team. And how for him, it all starts with his faith, and all those things help him create that big belief. Um, but even casting that vision for his players, casting the vision, having holding the standard and having the standard set high where we don't know if we're going to reach it. But even if we if we fall short of that, we're still higher than most. What an incredible way. Um, the two great books, Hard Hat by John Gordon, Chop Wood, Carry Water. Just setting the standard, setting the get-go from the ground running with anybody new coming into the program. Just setting his tone right away. Um... Man, I just I loved how he talked about even just baseball having to conquer the mind. A couple of things that stick out to me is just a matter of how guys will gravitate to the standard. Guys will gravitate to the standard. How the storm is coming, it's gonna hit. Guys who are ready to keep it to the process, stick to it, and have the mental capability. How great our game is to do those things. But guys will gravitate to the standard. I just love how he intended. How he just he said that, you know, his language of speaking. And so, again, just Coach Malone, I just really can't thank you enough. Thanks, thanks to our guys at Netting Pros. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, just some really great talks with Coach Maloney and some great gifts you know, from a great coach who has, still has some great things left going on, even just to take this time out of his busy schedule during the spring and during the season. He's in the hunt for a championship, and... This speaks to the kind of kind of person he is. And uh, just really appreciate him and appreciate all you guys for the support. And until next time, keep getting better. <laughs>